Hello and welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV and a couple other platforms. So glad you could join us. I am your host, Bernadette Pager, and joining me today is my co-host, Javier Figueroa, PhD. Hello, Javier. Hello, Bernadette. So lovely to see you this evening. How's everything in your world? You know, it's lovely out here, but winter is definitely knocking at the door right now. Yeah. Is this your second winter in Idaho? Second winter in Idaho. And boy, the view out here from the window is spectacular. Oh, it's pretty gorgeous here in Tennessee, too. We've got the fall colors. It is beautiful. And the bluest skies. You know, I was raised with the song, the bluest skies you've ever seen are in Seattle. But I tell you, Tennessee's can rival that blue. It's the most gorgeous blue. Um, so, yeah. So, uh Let's get through a little bit of the business that we have to get through. So, of course, the views expressed are not necessarily uh, those of either Children's Health Defense, Informed Choice Washington, or KKNW, our wonderful AM radio free speech platform that we are so grateful for. Um, we are not giving legal advice. Uh, if you want real legal advice, go seek out somebody that you trust who knows about informed consent and laws and the Constitution. We're not giving medical advice. Seek out a practitioner aligned with your approach to health and wellness. And as I always say, you need to interview a healthcare practitioner to oversee your health, your children's health, as if you are interviewing a potential mate. It's that important, you know, um, and they are your trusted advisor. We're just here giving you good conversation to help you decide where to explore further to make informed decisions in your life. Absolutely. So today, Javier, we're giving a little bit of a test drive to portions of our, our new format that we're rolling out next week. And I'm abandoning you next week because I'm gonna be in Savannah at the big uh, Children's Health Defense second annual conference. Tickets still available if anybody wants to go to go to uh, childrenshealthdefense.org. Um, so what we're, a couple of things. So the hour is gonna be, a two hour block is gonna be split in two completely with two different streams. Okay, if you're listening on AM radio, doesn't affect you, you just keep tuned in and you'll hear all two hours, right? Um, but if you're listening online, it's going to be two separate streams and two separate recordings. The first hour is going to be called the Health Hour, and it is going to be sponsored fully by the Washington Chapter of Children's Health Defense. And we're going to be focused as, as targeted as we can on real health and wellness options you know, positive news, what you need to know about your immune system, your child's uh, developing immune system, you know, what are your options moving forward to live a healthy life and, and choose parenting uh, approaches that you might not have even heard about, or maybe your great grandma knew, and maybe we got to bring that back in style, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And then the second hour of the show is going to be sponsored by Informed Choice Washington. We're calling it the Liberty Hour. 
And um, that's going to be focused more on politics and policy, litigation, legislation, sometimes bills. We're going to we're going to do uh, some shows that are mostly Washington State, just kind of narrowly focused. Absolutely. It's the folks in Washington sponsoring it. Um, that second hour, if we've got a, a topic and a guest of national interest, that will stream to CHDTV. But if it's something that's very Washington focused, it may not, depends, but you will be able to see it. Um, you can watch it at the radio station, our Informed Trust Washington's Twitter page, or our Facebook page. Believe it or not, the show's still, um, it, it's, it's shadow banned. You have to go seek it out. They're not sharing it with anybody, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there may be a bit, a few bumps in the next couple of weeks as we remember this format and get it all sorted out. But very excited about that. I um, wanted to show readers right away where they're going to be able to get um, help support this first well wellness hour. They will do that by going to wa.childrenshealthdefense.org, the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense. And um, we encourage you, if you love this hour of free speech radio about health and wellness, to please uh, consider giving a donation to the Washington chapter. And a recurrent donation is wonderful if you're able to do that, $5 a week, a month, $10 a month, whatever you can afford, that helps us ensure continuity that we know next month we can also pay for the radio show. <laughs> exactly. So appreciate that very much. Um, what else did I have to pass on before we get to our guest? Um, oh, I wanted to run by you, Javier. Where I where do I have that? I've got on here. Um, some things going on and I've lost the link. So Maybe I'll maybe I'll talk about them in the future. But the ACIP, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, recently um, met, like day before yesterday, and it becomes more and more of a, a very offensive dog and pony show of adding things. I mean, the schedule is getting so crammed. There's it. it we're just reached a stage where there's no vaccine that's unnecessary enough, unsafe enough, ineffective enough, um, has lack of data enough that they won't recommend it. Just, so you're a guinea pig to the CDC, to the FDA, to the pharmaceutical industry, you are a guinea pig. And I can't stress enough why, how much you need to do your medical due diligence for yourself and your family and really look at the current state state of this think of vaccines as what they are they are for-profit liability shielded pharmaceutical products read the labels read the inserts read the critical trials that led to licensing read the post-marketing data it's all on the vaccine inserts and uh, and then you know do some study and uh, make some informed decisions. So there we are. Um, and I, I want to remind people to check out, make part of your daily reading to go to the Defender Children's Health Defense. The Defender every single day they are on top of the key issues that Children's Health Defense is all about. 
and the headlines are just they've got a, an army of scientists and attorneys um just the most qualified people keeping up to date on all the aspects right javier absolutely it's just, boom um I'm, it's just such an honor to work with that organization so make that part of your your daily reading and um there we go so um this hour is focused on health and i am so excited to bring this woman on i don't know how i missed her up until up until now her name is Jody O'Malley. She's an author, a columnist, a radio host, a motivational speaker, transformative life strategist, a faith-based, masters-prepared, critical care nurse, and hospital supervisor. So her career caring for COVID patients at a federal hospital for Native Americans ended abruptly after she courageously shared her insider video with Project Veritas, showing the extent of underreported vaccine injuries and outright corruption of the healthcare system, where policy and protocol have taken precedence over the patient's bill of rights. Welcome, Jody O'Malley, to Inform Life Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you for so much for having me, you two. Yeah, just it's such a pleasure. And it turns out that you and I have so many people that we know in common. Mm -hmm. And I just bumped something and actually triggered something on my computer. I hope I can get rid of but let's ignore it for now. If you can't see it, we'll ignore it. Um, so as you and I spoke a little bit before the show began and explained the concept of this new health hour, which we are test running today. So you've got amazing stuff that fits in the second hour as well. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to kind of start a little bit with there, but then I want to move on and really talk to you about health and wellness and what it means, because okay. now you're a health and wellness coach. Is that correct? Yes, I'm, yeah, a bunch of things that uh, I never thought that I would do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the the hidden lining of COVID has been the transformative power of people. When people were brave enough to follow what their gut and heart were telling them, mm -hmm. you know, it's been pretty amazing where life has taken them. Took me all the way across the country, for goodness sake. <laughs> yes, girl. It, it's been amazing. It's like our, our circle is getting larger, which is a good thing. I love it. I do too. I do too. To quote the one of the trailers for the pandemic series is they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. I just, Ooh, is yes. that cool? Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> we're we're a bloom and we're planted, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how about we back up then, Jody, and tell us where you were before all this COVID stuff hit and then what happened? Well, I was living my best life. I was at the pinnacle of what I thought my career was working for the Native Americans and the federal government. I mean, I just was super excited to work with this underserved community and receive all the benefits of working for the federal government, you know, comes with. So when COVID struck, I was working in float pool. Um, I am not the type of nurse. I love different challenges and experiences. And so float pool offered me the opportunity to pick my own schedule 
and to work in a variety of areas of nursing. And so primarily I worked in the ICU, the ER, and when COVID struck, they um, asked me to be hospital supervisor. So I was hospital wow. supervisor about 60% of the time from the beginning of COVID. Wow. Um, so you saw all aspects of what was going on in the response from yes. like ER to the critical care. That's right. Yeah. I saw a lot of people um, coming in that were fine that just subsequently tested positive. Um, I saw a lot of anxiety and fear and depression and child abuse and spousal wow. abuse and drug overdoses and psychotic breaks from the handling of um, this narrative from the beginning, you know, the isolation, the fear. And I see, you know, a doctor shaking his head. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, we knew immediately public health policy dictated that you don't lock down a healthy society because nope. of all of those reasons. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, unfortunately we saw it play out and now look at our world three years later, you know, so many are still struggling and, now we have all these other narratives of childhood mutilation and, oh. you know, all of this to, you know, contend with. It's it's really quite demonic, really. Yeah, it, it's amazing how so many people who never would have used lang spiritual language are using it, myself included. I always tried to stay, you know, very kind of this, it's about the science and the facts and all of that. And just day after day, the only words that began to fit were demonic. Yeah. Darkness. Um, it, zombies. Just zombies. <laughs> zombie Twilight zone. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, you can't think that it's anything but intentional when you see things like the head of the CDC speaking to the American public and saying that she's afraid. Right. What the heck? Right. I mean, you do not tell the world to be afraid. You're afraid. You yeah. know, that was just absurd. And um, yeah, know, I mean, so even my son at the time, well, he'll be 14 here soon. So maybe 11, you know, when he saw the death toll ticker, which what we that's what we call it um, on the screen 24 seven talking about fear, 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 and nothing positive, he immediately said, mom, is this pro propaganda? Yep. Yeah. Wow. How old was your son? <laughs> he was, gosh, 10, maybe oh. 10 and a half at the time. But I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie, um, right now, oh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had just taken him to go see that um, about six months prior. And it is a story of a little boy that grew up in Nazi Germany and um, how Hitler was his childhood imaginary best friend right. and how propaganda sways a population, especially the young children. And it's his story of how uh, his mother helped saved um, the Jewish people. And um, it's really quite powerful. I, I recommend everybody watch it because it, it really gives you a clear understanding of how propaganda works in a society to target your mind 
and your spirit and essentially your body from stress. Um, could you repeat the title of that again? Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I've got to see that. And you know what? That just shows the power of the of art. Yes. To educate. A 10-year-old was able to recognize propaganda because of this film. Yep. That is Yeah, phenomenal. and after you watch it, about a year later, he said to me, when I was watching this, I always wondered what you would have done. And now I know. Oh. And that just really, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. It's bringing and tears to my eyes now. So you'll see what I mean after you watch the movie. <laughs> I won't ruin it for you. Wow. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. So, So here you are. You're already seeing that public health policies are causing harm. Yes. Um, at what what did you begin to observe that led you to become a whistleblower? You know, mm -hmm. what were the stages of things that you begin to witness? Yeah. So uh, February 2020, I was sitting in the nurse's station in the ER and another nurse told me that there's this virus that's out there and they're starting to talk about shutting down the world for a couple of weeks to slow the spread. And immediately, like immediately, I looked up to God and I said, I'm supposed to pay attention to this part, right? <laughs> and um, and I say that because I was brought up in a spirit-filled church that spoke about end times prophecy. Oh. And so that was always, I, I didn't realize how much of the word was laid on my heart, but then... Um, you know, the spirits just started speaking to me and like little short scriptures, like fear not, you know, um, the plans I have for you, uh, just little, little, little things that were just constantly in my head. And at that moment was when I decided I am not choosing fear. I am choosing faith. Mm -hmm. Now this comes from me just you know, I, I was going out to the clubs. I was having fun with my hip hop dance friends. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I was, I hadn't been in church in years. <laughs> so this really just hit me like a ton of breaks. But what it allowed me to do was to always back everything up with the facts Right. And so everything that was being brought out, I would research. And um, and then having said that, I witnessed all of the issues that could come from locking down the society. And so my world changed. I literally not only lived and breathed COVID while I was in the hospital, because we all know masks don't work, um, but I was literally just dreaming about education and, and everything. I was consumed with educating myself. And I was releasing that out to the public because I, I know a ton of nurses, hundreds of them, yeah. right, that I've worked with throughout the years. And so I started speaking out on Facebook, um, you know, hey, guys, mask. Why are we using this? Why are we promoting it? You know, trying to engage people in discussion. And I received more hate 
from February of 2020 till June of 2020, yeah. then I have this entire time since blowing the whistle. Mm -hmm. Well, in June of 2020, I had enough and I was going to get off of social media. And I said, I'm done with this. I, I'm just going to affect the people that you put in front of me and, um, and then those around me. And then I would get messages um, on private messages because remember, nobody wants to publicly you know, ask questions or anything out of fear of retaliation, uh, saying, thank you for speaking out. I, I was going to kill myself, but you gave me hope. I mean, messages such as that. And at that time is when I said, all right, father, like I'm done, you know, your will, not mine is what I, what I said, like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me. If not, your will be done. That's how I felt literally. Mm -hmm. And throughout <laughs> that time, I, you know, I was noticing people that, you know, came into the hospital needing assistance, like as a nurse in an emergency room nurse, we know that we give antibiotics to prevent secondary infection. We use steroids, you know, we use albuterol nebulizers, all of those things, they stopped. Yes. They just stopped. And we told this special population with a lot of comorbidities just go home, just go back home and come back when you turn blue in the face. And then we will give you another experimental medication to try to stop it. Right. And so with the native Americans, I will have to say that they are the most affected population in the world. Yes. They lost seven years off of their lifespan going back to the average age of living back in the 1920s. Their children will not live longer than them. And what that caused them telling to go home in these multi-generational households with many that don't have running water or electricity, right? Um, to stay in together. And so if there was any illness, no matter what it was, it was spreading through the home like wildfire. And we saw a lot of people affected, but nowhere near, nowhere near the amount of people that wound up passing away after the experimental injection in December of 2020. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was float pool. So I saw the ER admissions. I saw ICU and I was hospital supervisor. So I went around the entire hospital, even the med surge unit. And they were nurses and doctors were not asking vaccination status to be able to gather the data for the safety signals. Mm, we were, not. we are required to notice these things and to report them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lawful thing that we have to do is to report them. Well, I noticed that the government didn't care about the data. And how do I say that? Well, because we have this experimental technology with an experimental biologic agent and absolutely no education on VAERS reporting. Right. The hospital, anybody that works in there, they know that 
every single year we get a whole bunch of health streams that pop up and we have to go through them every year and click the boxes that we're up to date on our education. And go. now you are asking doctors and nurses in the ER who don't, you know, we're, we never inject childhood immunizations. So as far as vaccine adverse events, we recognize very few because they're not really given, right? And in the ER, they're not given in the ER. So right. the fact that they did not give us any training was just, to me, I just knew they didn't care to collect the data. Well, I was also noticing doctors and nurses not asking the question. So say I got a call from the hospitalist and saying, telling me that they're thinking about admitting a patient. Um, I get the call. They say, I have a patient in room seven, 30 year old, so-and-so um, diagnosis, COVID pneumonia, um, two liters of room air, you know, kind of thing. And I would ask them, well, that's probably not the best example. That that would be more for like the experimental run death is near. But <laughs> this is for, there was a, an example I like to give. I was training um, an experienced nurse who was just starting to work. That was orienting her to the floor. We got a patient that was in her 20s who came in complaining of left facial paralysis. And, um, and it just had started. Well, I go in the room with the doctor and the nurse because that's my practice. Whenever I see the doctor go in the room, I like to go with them. So we're on the same page. I can get the order started before they put them in. Make sure that, because I'm the patient advocate first and foremost, right. that the patient has all of their questions answered. They understand the plan of care. And, um, and so that's why I like to do. Well, this one patient, they went through their whole assessment never asking the question if they had been vaccinated. And I said, are you guys done? And they said, yes. And I said, are you vaccinated? Yes. Uh, when did you get it? Yesterday. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and I just stayed quiet. Well, I walk out of the room. The doctor was embarrassed. The nurse was embarrassed. Um, and he said, I can't believe I didn't ask that. And I said, well, make sure you do that going forward. I tried to get the HHS to put it on the triage note so that it could be go down the assessment when the doctors and nurses are in the room that they can get their brain start thinking. They never did that. You know, so anyway, having said all of that, there was injury after injury that I would see and, you know, safety signal, let's yeah. put it that way, safety, safety signal. Si and, and so this one, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, remember where you are. Okay. Yeah. But what you have said is not only absolutely critical for what happened with COVID, but the very fact that you were aware that prior to COVID, ER doctors recognized very few adverse events to vaccination, even though mm -hmm. children in this nation get up to 72 injections yeah. or, or vaccines in so many injections, I forget the count, right? It's an absurd number. And it should be on every checklist, no matter what. If somebody comes in with something, high fever, facial paralysis, seizures, you know, uh, you know, screaming headache won't stop the child screaming for four, six, eight, 10, 12 hours and won't stop. The doctor should 
be asking, was the child, were you recently vaccinated? That's right. And it, it has never, it hasn't been happening. The data has never been collected. Yeah. And, you know, I really do hope now with this heightened awareness that we can get that question as a routine. It needs to be routine. And, and of course, VAERS needs to be fixed in a way that it doesn't take 45 minutes to enter the information. Right. Yeah. 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 And that it doesn't time out when you try doesn't to enter time it. Out. Right. You can't save it. You're you're exactly right, Bernadette. You bring up a great point. And honestly, I didn't even think about that until after you just said that. There should mm -hmm. be legislation that doctors and nurses have got to ask that question um, for any child because now that my eyes are opened, mm -hmm. I believe that many many, 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 probably yeah. the vast majority of us are injured on some level. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And one other thing, and then I want you to get back to where you were. Are you aware that the FDA requires by law on vaccine inserts to put reported aftermarket um, any adverse reaction to a vaccine mm -hmm. only if there is biological plausibility to that product having caused that adverse reaction. So when you look at a product insert for DTAP, MMR, polio, and you see the list of reported adverse reactions that have been reported to them over the years, and a significant number has to be reported before it goes on there, you know that there is biological plausibility that that product caused it. But the FDA does not require them to actually go do any studies to see yep. if it truly is a causal link. So it leaves the consumer mm -hmm. in absolute limbo. You don't know. It's been reported. It's plausible. But nobody has done the science. Anyway, so that's where we are. That's what's been revealed through COVID to, to people who didn't know. I had no idea. I mean, I blindly trusted. I really mm -hmm. did, as as many still do. You know, when our education on vaccines literally was like, here's the childhood schedule, and this is what they should do um, on these days, and these are the ones that they should take, and if there's any anaphylactic, then this is what you do. And that was it. Mm -hmm. I trusted that there was research, that they were doing research with the combined doses to know that they didn't interact with each other. They oh, don't. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't recommend any shots anymore. Yeah, at all. It's smart. That's smart. And I mean, the, the, the evidence that uh, from Aaron series group in terms of the preclinical and the clinical data that they have it's a horror show that that should have never passed. But then again, it was never intended to pass through the FDA. It's, it's all right. show and tell. Yeah. For vaccines, I have to agree 100%. There is no safety data worth its name in no. the vaccine schedules. Right. And, and, and this new hour that we're going to try to focus on wellness, although everybody's backstories are so exciting, <laughs> we want parents, individuals to be empowered to know they don't have to fear disease. Right, that yeah. they can stay healthy, that they have a God-given, beautiful immune system if properly okay. supported, you know, and they don't have to fear spreading disease to others because there are things they can do to make sure that, you know, that they are 
um, behave safely in the world and don't spread. And, you know, and the, the shots don't prevent transmission. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Right. Um, so um, let's spend a few more minutes getting caught up with your whistleblower. And then I want to mm -hmm. move on to the wellness. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the summer of 2021, my, the, there was three colleagues that were not injected on the floor and um, because the culture had changed so much and they had allowed politics to penetrate medical ethics and our oath of principles. Um, we, there was a few people that were kind of coerced into getting it, you know, mm -hmm. getting that shot. Two weeks later, a patient came in, um, my coworker, and um, wound up passing away uh, two weeks after the shot. And wow. when she wanted me to advocate for ivermectin for her, um, I did. And I, it, it's kind of a little bit of a story, but um, ultimately, at the end of the day, pharmacy said that um, she could not give it out because she would lose her job. She has specific orders to only prescribe ivermectin for lice or scabies, and that if I wanted to um, to go up the chain of command, if you will, then I would have to reach out to the pharmacy and therapeutics committee that meet once a month. So this patient did not have the time and subsequently died. When that happened, when I had to call the pharmacist into the office to ask her why, is when I decided to pull out my phone, my Android phone, put it up on the desk and record. And then after that, I, for a very short time span, I just started pulling out my phone and recording and that was all of, you know, the cases of myocarditis, uh, pericarditis, congestive heart failure, blood clots in young children, you know, 15 years old with no medical history. That's when I said, well, that's when the Lord was like, okay, here, you, you asked to live in my will. <laughs> I'm telling you to release this to the world. And I did, you know, I did. And, and it's out there. Um, <clears throat> I knew at the time that my coworker, I just had it in my spirit that she wasn't going to, um, wasn't going to make it and, um, prayed for her, um, with her at her bedside. And, and then I vowed at that, that time that her death will not be in vain and all the other friends and family that everyone lost. And, um, and I got the truth out to the world through James O'Keefe. Thank God for mm -hmm. him. And, yeah. And then that was it. After that, I um, had more than a dozen complaints against my license and the Arizona State Board of Nursing ordered me to undergo a formal ethics evaluation. I did. And I was deemed free and clear. I was ethical in my disclosure. My license is untarnished. And, um, and then some lawsuits, you know, after that, um, mm -hmm. but maybe that's for the second hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely have you back in the second hour mm -hmm. in the future. So you can update us what's going on with yeah. your whistleblower case. That is exciting. I'm so proud of you, uh, you doing that, listening to your heart, listening to God, doing, uh, listening to your patients. So now you've had to reinvent yourself as a nurse. And you've joined up with some other great nurses that we have had on the show, Kimberly Overton, 
and Melissa, whose last name I can't pronounce, um, Schreibfeder. Oh, yay, got it. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and several others. Yes. Um, you're on a podcast. Let me pull that up, uh, show people. It's called Nurses Out Loud. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Dr. McCullough actually recommended me um, for a show uh, on his on his uh, network. And right after I released that show, I had other nurses reach out to me to um, do a podcast. And I spoke with the network owner and I told him I was going to do some podcasts with other nurse, nurses. And he said, no, 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 no. We will give you a show five days a week. You bring in the nurses and and let's do this. And so we have amazing nurses that speak out um, five days a week, uh, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern time on iHeartRadio or on the America Out Loud Talk Radio app. And then all of our shows go to podcast, um, all of the podcasts. So yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. That is really cool. I wish there were more hours in the day to listen. <laughs> I mean, our community is generating so much content. It's yeah. just fabulous. And I listened a little bit today and just to get a little taste of it, but it just, and the topics, I mean, such a broad range of topics you guys are covering. It's, yes. it's fabulous. So yeah, we're not censored. So we can talk about anything we want, which is wonderful. That's Yay. Cool. We're really not censored here either. We just, um, on, uh, AM radio, we just try to hold those cuss words in check Yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and, um, being sponsored by nonprofits, we cannot endorse any political candidates, but other than that, you know, mm -hmm. um, we're good to go. Yeah. So, um, a couple of questions that I kind of made note of that I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, even even before COVID, it seems like you were really in tune to the patients and their needs and individually. What did you see as some of the most important factors that led to people having health situations that brought them to the hospital? What sort of health factors did you see that are controllable through uh, lifestyle choices? Oh, um, blood pressure, diabetes. Um, pain, you know, fibromyalgia, uh, type symptoms. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's really stems from trauma from, so from trauma. So, mm -hmm. um, we're talking about things caused by obesity. Yes. Um, bad diet, uh, poor diet, poor mm -hmm. diet, mm -hmm. a lot of it inflammation, right. Uh, things oh. that are inflammatory. Yes. Every, every disease process that we deal with is inflammatory in nature. Mm -hmm. So if we can lower our, the inflammation in our body, which the two biggest things to do is number one, stress, mental stress mm -hmm. and sugar. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sugar yeah. is hidden in everything. And so if we can encourage people to eat food that they can pronounce, right? <laughs> yes. um, and that they cook for themselves. I mean, I, I am a victim to that as well through COVID. I, I put on 50 pounds um, mm. over the last three years and I have so far um, shed 15 of it, but I had to get my central nervous system in check because when you are elevating at high levels of stress for so long, you know, your adrenals become fatigued. And I know a lot of people, we won't get into those, but essentially stress 
kills. It's a silent killer, just like mm -hmm. diabetes is. You know, most people don't even know that they have type two diabetes until it's already kind of late in the game, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're getting finger the numbness in their fingers and their toes, or their eyesight is starting to go bad. Um, those types of things. Mm -hmm. So those are very controllable. Like getting off of the standard American diet, flipping that food pyramid upside down. Um, I've learned so much about that. Uh, we don't need all these carbs you know, um, sugar or, um, fruit, you know, uh, or grains, I should say, you know, um, potatoes and rice. We don't have to have that in every meal. We actually don't even need to eat three meals a day guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just yeah. read through over the past few years, um, the amazing, uh, intermittent fasting, yeah. huge fan of intermittent fasting. It's how humans have been forever until modern society made food available 24 hours a day. And um, yeah, to reset your immune system, that's such a big part of it. Now, um, Javier, a PhD in neuroscience, he knows a lot about inflammation of the brain and right? That's a oh, lot yeah. of you. And Alzheimer's is considered a type three diabetes in some, yes. in some circles. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's basically all about what you put in, and if it's carbohydrates or refined sugars, it really has a bad effect on on mental cognition. It's funny that if you go through intermittent fasting or fasting, mental acuity pops straight back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hyperbarics, which is something that Javier um, has a lot of expertise oh. on, uh, changing your diet, doing the um, getting off of some pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So sure. I was recently reading the studies about statins. And when they took individuals off of statins, they began to lose some of their symptoms of dementia that they mm -hmm. had had and getting regaining their memory. Um, the statins are just evil drugs, I think. <laughs> yeah, the statins, they're like the worst. I, my dad came into town and it was a struggle for him to get here. He has end-stage COPD, um, mm. diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, just uh, everything that you can name essentially. And he came the first day and um, he was a little stressed out, anxious. And he goes, I don't know how I'm going to do all this without Faye, his wife. Mm. And I said, do what dad? And he said, my pills. And I said, well, let's get them together. We'll get a box and put them in. How come you don't have them in a box? And he said, well, there are too many. You know, Jody, I take 27 pills in the morning. And I was like, what? 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 And, you know, he tells me things and, you know, but he's just, uh, you know, he's a stubborn guy. He's mm -hmm. VA, you know, so the VA, you know, they don't know they're whatever from a hole in the ground, right? Everybody's all doing different things and nobody's working together. But long story short, um, we got him off of Omeprazole, statins, one of his diuretics, uh, his diabetes medication, his stool softener, uh, and, and just replaced all of this with a healthy diet and other options. So yes, I agree with you. Polypharmacy wow. is huge. Yeah. And nobody is really looking Mm -hmm. over the, all the different medications, because many times if somebody goes into the hospital or they go see their doctor um, because they're sick and the doctor puts them on a drug, they're just left on it. 
Exactly. I mean, they're just left on it forever. And so, you know, especially if a specialist puts them on, right? If you have an endocrinologist or a cardiologist put them on a medication, the primary care doctor doesn't want to take them off of it even though it's short, it would be for short term. So yes, um, I think encourage all of the listeners to look into that. And actually um, the wellness company, yes. um, I have a link in my bio, they have um, a program. Yes. It's called Freedom from Pharma. And I uh -huh. love it. Yes. Oh, great. That is so cool. I saw that too. And I, I was just going to, I had that in my head to say after you, and you said it. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I love that. So, you know, they've got that and, and um, you can find a, you know, a trusted practitioner uh, near you. I said earlier, you know, you got to interview practitioners like you would a spouse, yeah. find a good one. And, you know, there are actually, even though they don't prescribe drugs, um, I know that there are, um, are chiropractors Love who them. help people gently um, get off of drugs. They know how to guide that. There's a wonderful um, chiropractor up north in Washington State, Dr. Brenneman, who I had on the show before. And um, I remember him saying that he would go into like senior living communities and ask everybody, raise your hand if you're on one drug. They'd all raise their hand, you know, two drugs, three drugs, four, you know, I mean, and how many? And then he he dared them. He says, you know, he something like he would give them free treatment for so long, challenge them and help them get off the drugs. And he would always get a couple of people willing up to the challenge and would be able to get them completely pharma free. Very exciting. Yes, um, it, it's doable. It does take self-discipline. Does. Well, it does take that. And it also takes an advocate. So yeah. I'm, I'm well versed. He had my attention for six weeks mm -hmm. and there was a ton of education. Like dad, how about we replace, you know, let's put some apple cider vinegar in your, in your coffee. Let's do glutathione nebulized instead of, um, albuterol every four you hours. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and so that's where I think it's super important to have a nurse advocate advocate. And, um, you know, like Melissa Schreibfeder, who is going to be on the show, mm -hmm. she's a functionally trained um, nurse, and she has an amazing program to do that as well. But remnantnursing.org, Kimberly Overton, she has a bunch of nurse advocates. So if you're a nurse listening, and you want, you know, to work and get out and out of uh, the hospital system, reach out to remnantnursing.org. Or if you are a patient and you want a nurse advocate, um, that this is the new movement. Like you said in the mm -hmm. beginning of the show, what your mm -hmm. grandmother told you, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we're going back to, this is what you're seeing in the field of nursing. Yeah. Remnant, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pulling that up so I can remind people about remnant nursing. That is so exciting. Yeah, remnantnursing.org. Um, mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, share this tab. Let me go back to, I'm kind of lost here. Got to me. There we go. Remnant nursing. That's, ex and explain to us when you say if you want a nurse advocate, mm -hmm. um, explain what, because, you know, a lot of times we, we've heard the term advocate. If you go in the hospital, you need an advocate to stand for you and, you know, be your go-between which is what, what was so horrible about COVID. They wouldn't let you have your personal advocate in there. Horrible. Oh, yeah. Um, but you're talking about something different. You're talking about a, a nurse to guide you in life, to become healthier, to get on that road to wellness. It's, it's above and beyond just um, you've got something wrong, you go to them. But explain that. Yeah. So remnant nursing, it's a private membership association um, to, to, 
get out of the traditional healthcare model, essentially, so that they mm -hmm. can't really be touched. Um, you know, not criminally, but you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, yeah, can't be coming after their license. It's an agreement between you and the person. And so an advocate functions in so many different ways. Just look at an advocate as your best friend is a nurse and she is going to answer the phone for you pretty much whenever you need it. So if you have questions after going to the doctor or if you want her to look over, do a medical um, of all your medications that you're on, your complaints, look in your refrigerator. You know, we have technology now that people can get on a video like mm -hmm. we're doing. Yeah. And we can look in their refrigerator. We cool. can look at their home life and and really spend that time to change a person's life but they're also available if you're in the hospital you know oh, and you're wow. saying that okay. i want my advocate you have to talk to my advocate here this is my nurse and you she gets on the phone and the doctors have to talk to them and um walk them through so essentially that's what it is you know i actually picked up a a client that did not want to go to the hospital. Um, she was literally dying at home. I didn't know that till I got there and there was feces all over the floor and wow. she hadn't eaten in days. And, but she, uh, and she was an elderly lady, but she absolutely refused to go to the hospital. And so um, my immediate recommendation was to go to the hospital. Now, I would have went with her and I would have sat there with her. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but she was adamant. She was stubborn. And she said, no, I'd just rather die here. And I said, okay, love, whatever you want, you know, I'm here for you. And so I got IV therapy into her home. You know, we mm -hmm. had, I gave her massages. I encouraged her to eat. I got her in the shower to wake her up and to clean herself. And so those types of things. So we also do inpatient, um, you know, um, a care mm -hmm. or at home care. Yeah. And then did she get better? Yeah, or? she did. Oh, yeah. wow. Yep. Did she got better back to her spunky old self. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is, oh, wouldn't I just envision a world where mm -hmm. people can have angels like you? I mean, you know, that yeah. is so exciting. Um, I think a lot of people don't get started on the road to real wellness because they don't know where to begin. Yeah. And the idea that you can get a nurse on the other end of the phone mm -hmm. who will look in your fridge, talk to you about how hard it is to change your, your diet. That's one of the hardest things in the world is to, you know, let go of the foods that you're so used to and just to yeah. encourage you and coach you and, and be there when you need it. Wow. This, yeah. this is really cool. <laughs> it was cool. I actually called uh, 911 twice because mm. I I needed to, you know, um, do my due diligence, even though she's like, don't call, don't call. I needed, you know, for her to actually know what she was going through. But yeah, no, she she got better a couple of days after that. And and yeah, she's living a very full life. She was very active, 85 years old, extremely active into yoga and everything. And she's back to living her, her life. So That's yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But, but you yeah. know what, uh -huh. increasingly we're finding more and more people don't trust the hospitals and yeah. for rightfully so. Yeah. So, you know, there is a, a very big need of having concierge care, mm -hmm. whether it be your doctor or nurse and, you know, 
I mean, screw the insurance. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you can have insurance be paying $500 a month for it and then have all these co-pays to get your labs done and this and that. And then the doctor hands are tied from ordering labs that actually would make a difference and then giving you treatment because they got to, you know, go buy big pharma. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this has just been such a fabulous hour. Absolutely flew. And I need to leave a little room to give instructions to uh, to listeners. So, Jody, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's such an, a pleasure to meet you. Um, Remnant Nursing. We we have uh, Informed Trust Washington has a sub stack comes out every week. And after this show, we put links in there for things that we talked about. So we'll make sure people get links to Remnant Nursing yeah. um, and, and Nurses Out Loud and the Jody O'Malley website. I didn't even have time to show that. So thank you so much for that. Yes. Um, let me uh, go ahead and tell listeners that we're test driving our new format, as we said in the beginning. And so what's going to happen here, um, if you're listening on AM radio, just stay tuned. You know, there'll be a break and news and weather as you're used to in this second hour of Inform Life Radio will be coming on for the Liberty Hour. Um, but if you're watching uh, streaming, if you're on CHD TV or on Twitter or Facebook, um, just go back to that platform and watch for the next feed to come. It'll be the next um, hour that begins anew. And these, these will be recorded separately so you can share them separately. And we feel like this might just be a, a lot more convenient way for people to, to watch and share with two separate one hour blocks for you all. And I was able to say that fairly quickly and we've got like another minute. So I'm gonna give that to Jody. Okay, uh, okay. Final words, Jody. Yes, guys. So anybody who's listening and, you know, has been struggling, maybe separated from family or friends, struggling with your mental, physical and spiritual health, my next journey, if you will, um, or calling upon my life was to create a movement and create a private membership community where I can work um, closely with you guys. And we're going to do that by bringing all of us like-minded women together um, to increase our confidence so that we have the courage to walk in our calling. And, mm. um, and so that is only open until tomorrow. I extended it so far. We have 70 amazing women that's in the community. I am going to be posting out my first weekly audio recording publicly for everybody to see, to get a taste. So make sure that you are, um, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, um, and yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. What's the keyword they look for to find it? It's, um, it's Jody O'Malley RN forward slash truth. It's called the truth movement, but you can find it on my social media. It's all over it right now. Okay. Thank you very much. We're going for a break, everybody. And then tune into the Liberty hour is next. All right. Thank you guys. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. 
It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Children's Health Defense is a nonprofit organization with a mission to end childhood health epidemics by working aggressively to eliminate harmful exposures, hold those responsible, accountable, and establish safeguards to prevent future harm. The Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense is stepping up at the state and local levels, but we can't do this without you. Join us at wa.childrenshealthdefense.org. Let's restore and defend children's health and their futures in Washington State.